Welcome to the You Choose Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Please take a moment, pause this podcast right now, and share it with someone you think would find this podcast interesting. We would really appreciate it. Please go to youchoosepodcast.com. That's the letter U, choosepodcast.com, and find the different ways that you can connect with us and how you can be part of the live event. And without further ado, let's get into the adventure you choose. Oh my goodness. Merry gosh darn Christmas. Or Eddie's favorite, Merry Krampus. Merry Krampus. This is what we're doing for you guys. And I never say that you choose podcast isn't trying new things. We decided in the vein of the line in the Christmas Carol, most wonderful time of the year. There's a line where they say, and scary ghost stories of Christmas is long, long ago. And we just say that we're like scary ghost stories. Yes. You can have a little bit of a scary ghost story. So tonight we're doing a little mashup for you guys where we're going to pop off with the classic choose your own adventure book home and time for Christmas involving two of our most favorite things from the eighties, time travel and Christmas and ghosts and ghosts, dude. We're going to mix it up, Eddie. We're just going to open that pot of soup and just close our eyes and just throw ingredients in. We don't care. Just listen. You're getting a Christmas soup. There might be there might be uh, some candy canes in there. There might be some glass ornaments. You don't know what's going to come. For those of you that are new, the way this works is when we get to a decision point in the book, just chime in on the chat and let us know which page you want to go to. This can be a little different. So when we get to a decision in the Christmas book, we'll actually go to the page that's in Ghost Hunter. And then when we get to the decision in Ghost Hunter, we'll actually go back to the Christmas book. So it's going to be a mix-up, mash-up, monstrous sort of thing. So hang on for the ride. It's going to be fun. We are definitely doing the holiday mash-up of Home in Time for Ghost Hunter Christmas. There you go. <laughs> So are we going to do this where I'm going to stay on the ghost hunter side of things? Yes. Yep. Correct. And I'll stay on the yeah. home and time for Christmas side. So that's how All we'll right. just go back and forth. All right. Let's get started. Home and time for Christmas. More for the younger reader. It really was. Yep. Came out in 1987. And a picture of a stocking. 87. I was 10, Lee. How old 10 were you? years old. I was 13. Well, oh, wow. not quite 13, 12, technically. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve, and you and your sister, Allison, have been hanging ornaments on the tree all afternoon. The only decoration left is the beautiful silver angel that goes on the top. This year is the first time you get to put the angel on the tree. You're going to hurt yourself, Allison announces, watching you Ooh. climb the, step, the steep wooden ladder. You're just jealous, you tell your sister. It's easy. You lean across the branches and tie the angel in place. Snap. Suddenly, the step under you gives way. You fall to the floor and hit your head with a loud thunk. You notice, Eddie, we have no, nobody's holding the ladder. Nobody's no. you know, checking it. We're just, we just climb. We don't, we don't, we don't There's care. There's no kid OSHA in the 80s. No kid OSHA, exactly. And by the way, we're already checking off. We're not even one page deep into this choose your own adventure book and we already have one of the hallmark things in a choose your own adventure story head trauma yep concussed <laughs> always getting concussed yes concussions 
concussions and, and already uh, checking one off the list concussion has ding. <laughs> it worked it worked someone cries you blink your eyes and look around two boys are peering at you you strapped into some kind of, of chair old-fashioned and an old-fashioned laboratory where am i who are you you ask you're in london i'm daniel and this is my friend aubrey the taller boy says london you cry london england Yes, Daniel says with great satisfaction. London, England, December 24th, 1842. We've, we've yeah. brought you back in time. So concussed and time travel, all in a matter of pages. Back in time, you cry. When are you from? Aubrey asks innocently. What difference does it make? It's Christmas Eve, you cry. If I don't get home soon, I might miss it. Miss Christmas, Daniel chimes? Don't worry, my friend. You can have Christmas here with us. Yes, Aubrey adds cheerfully. We'll teach you about the past, and you can tell us all about the future. But Christmas isn't the same without your family, you say, getting a lump in your throat. We'll stay for, well, we'll stay for a few hours then, Daniel says. At least let the time machine cool down. If you insist on returning to your own time immediately, turn to page 12. If you decide it's okay to stay in the past for a few hours, turn to page 15. So do we return or do we stay in the past? Let us know in the chat. You know, in all in all honesty, a 1987 kid hanging out with 1842 kids. You're like, what's there to do here at Christmas? Get cholera? <laughs> yeah. No, you, know? you have your choice. Cholera or tuberculosis. Take your pick. Yeah. Choose your disease that'll shorten your lifespan. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll just be crippled. Cripple like me as he holds up a little cane. <laughs> holds up his cane. Like, ooh. Ooh. You get one of these for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And uh and yeah, and then literally like, ooh, mommy, a lead soldier for Christmas. Oh yes. Let me lick it. <laughs> Let me lick it clean. Exactly. exactly. The next year, like there's I see us I see a grave where little Timmy once was, because he played with lead action figures. Clutching his lead lead soldier. Now more lead. Yes. Oh, stay in the past or the story ends. Jesse already knows. He knows. <laughs> he already knows what happens. All right. So the so what's past. What's our page here? Let's see. The past, page 15. So we'll go to page 15 in the Ghost, Ghost Hunter. Hunter. Maybe it's only the wind, you say. Jenny clutches your arm tightly. The wind never sounds like that. Then I guess it's a ghost. Instantly. Right away. Jenny places her mouth close to your ear. If we're going to trap it, we have to surround it. One of us must go up on the roof and shine the flashlight down the chimney while the other watches the fireplace. How can we get up on the roof? I noticed an upstairs porch on the left side of the house, Jenny answers. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be hard to swing onto the roof from there. Do you want to try it or shall I? If you say you'll go on the roof, turn to page 41. If you decide to stay by the chimney, turn to page 55. Let us know in the chat. If we go to the roof, where do we stay by the chimney? Already Santa themed. We got chimney and roofs. I know. How ironic that that wasn't even planned and it's already. <laughs> See? We're sticking to the theme. These books are more in sync than you think. 
This is like the Wonderwall Boulevard of Broken Dreams mashup you didn't know you needed. Yeah, but you get it. <laughs> She's asking you to swing. Not that kind of swing, Jesse. It's not that kind of Christmas party. Jesse, <laughs> what kind of party is this? <laughs> Jesse Stay has the car chimney. keys out. <laughs> yes. No! Stay by the chimney. Okay. So that Jeez. is page 55. We only got 48 pages in this book, Eddie. Yes, already <laughs> logistical issues. Oh, yay. Well, what we'll do is we'll just go to the page here, and then once we have a page number we can go to, we will. Okay. So go back page to Haunted House. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I can just read the house, but we'll, we'll, we'll stay on that. Okay. You stand by the fireplace, ready to capture the ghost if Jenny scares it out. The wailing and moaning have stopped, and you wonder if it's because the ghost knows you are tracking it down. Perhaps it's like a wild animal that, once it knows it's being stalked, freezes and waits. Ready to fight or flee if its adversary comes upon you. Very slowly, you inch towards the fireplace. You bend down to look up the chimney. As you stoop, your eye catches a painting on the wall. One of those portraits that is painted so that the eyes seem to follow you wherever you move. You stop, hypnotized by those eyes. You wonder if you are looking at a painting of a man whose ghost now haunts this very house. You shiver as the chill air coming down the chimney seems to wrap around you. Suddenly a scream from Jenny up the roof. It's in the attic. I've got to get down. I almost fell. If you run to the upstairs porch to see if you can help Jenny, turn to page 79. If you run upstairs to the attic, turn to page 60. Let us know in the chat. You know, Jenny's back is looking really good. There, there's lots of space there for some knives, Eddie. I bet you. That's what we're thinking. We got, like, How do I betray Jenny right now? <laughs> I don't want to wait. I can't like, wait. Some people got to wait for their Christmas present. I don't want to wait for this Christmas present. Oh. I want to betray. Run to the attic. Run to the attic, Ricky Sit. says. <laughs> okay. Attic, turn so... to page 60. Okay, I'm going to keep going here, Lee. If that's Run upstairs to the attic. Okay, all right, yep. You rush up to the attic and boldly throw open the door. Ooh. Before you is a thin, frail figure. His face is pale and his eyes have a hollow look. He turns and lurches toward you. You start to scream, but stop. It's not a ghost, but a live boy. About Ooh. 16, you'd guess. His face has a gentle expression, and he looks more frightened than frightening. Please don't tell them about me, he begs. You step forward to look more closely at this poor, tattered figure. Judge much? Jeez. I know. Who are you? My name is Lewis. I ran, I ran away from home. Perfect for betraying, you think to oh, yourself. Oh, yes. I've been living here for two months. I make these weird noises to scare people away. If they find out I'm not a ghost, they'll kick me out. I have no other place to stay. Hello, are you up in the attic? It's Jenny's voice from downstairs. She must have safely gotten off the roof. Yeah, we just blew her right off. We don't care. Yeah, we didn't care that she was in danger. Yes, come on up, you call back. Turning back to Lewis, you introduce yourself, but Lewis starts does not offer to shake hands. Why did you leave home, you ask? It must have been pretty bad for you to choose this kind of life. Turn to page 65. 
illustration of what could still be a scary uh, Christmas ghost story so far. Uh-huh. Just a boy in tattered clothes. Lewis suddenly sits down on the floor and leans back against the wall, staring into space. You wonder whether he has forgotten you're there. Are you in here? Comes Jenny's voice again. She's at the top of the attic stairs. Over here, you yell. And to Lewis, you say, meet my friend Jenny. Jenny runs up beside you, stopping short as she spots Lewis. Why, you're not a ghost, she says to him. But if you don't start eating more, you soon will be. Lewis smiles for the first time and slowly gets to his feet. He ran away from home, you explain to Jenny. I live with my uncle, Lewis says. He was, a, he was drunk a lot, and I bet you'd like a hot bath and a good meal, Jenny says. You can come over to my place, you add. We'll fix you up. Thanks, thanks very much, Lewis says. He walks over to the corner of the attic, gathers up some clothes strewn on the floor, and stuffs them in a backpack. Then he follows you and Jenny down the stairs and out of the house. Turn to page 67. Lewis, is there anyone else you could live with besides your uncle? Jenny asks as the three of you walk down the road. His face brightens for a moment. My half-brother lives in Alaska, he said. I could, he said I could come up and live with him, but I'd have to raise my own bus fare, and that's a lot of money. Maybe so, you say, but we'll help you find a way. You could even join our team of ghost hunters, Jenny says with a laugh. After all, you've had valuable experience living in that haunted house. I don't know if I want to be a ghost hunter, Lewis says, but I'm pretty good at carpentry. Great, you say. I know a builder. I'm sure he could use one on his crew. Because we're nine. Because <laughs> we're nine. <laughs> Lewis says Jenny emphatically, you're already halfway to Alaska. The end. The end. <laughs> oh, man. This mashup didn't go the way we thought it would. No, not as well <laughs> as I thought it would. But, you know, we know contractors and we're uh, using child labor. Well, there you go. There's your first ending. I, I almost think, Lee, we need to either go about it the other way. Start with this book. Okay. And let's intermingle the Christmas story and see how that goes. Let's try that here. So let's what go back. Think? That's the great thing about these books is we can always give this another try. So let's go back so, hey, to we found an ending. We, we were did. getting ready for Christmas, took a bump on the head. Yes. Met Concussed. some British kids. And all of a sudden we've helped out a homeless boy. I know. You can't get better than that. Shenan Ricky wants more shenanigans. Yes, I agree. That's where we're going to go back, Ricky. We're going to try this again. <laughs> so let's start. Do you want me to start this one, Eddie? And then. Yeah, the, go ahead and you start this one, and then I'll uh, once we hop back to Christmas, I'll I'll read Christmas. Okay, so I'll start in in the uh, Ghost Hunter. Ever since you har solved the Harlow Thrombe, oh, let me get this better view here. Oh man, still okay. So we got this picture. We're just leaning back in our office chair, reading a magazine or something. And we've okay, so we've checked this out, Eddie. We've got a collared shirt, so like a, yep, like a a suit shirt with our sweater over it with our sleeves pulled up i wonder i bet we you our are, shirt's tucked in though and penny loafers it's tucked in oh he's wearing penny loafers you can see his like his like uh checkered socks yes argyle all the all the 80s points goes to this kid 
Oh man, then on our shelf we've got a an apple with a bite eaten out of it. And we've got our private detective certificate on the wall. Man. <laughs> That's awesome. We're great. Yes. And we know it. <laughs> no, nothing weird. Nothing weird about us at, at all. No. All right. Ever since you solved the Harlow Thrombey murder case, your services as a private detective have been much in demand. Harlow Thrombey is one of the richest men in town, and it was a surprise when he called you to help find out who was plotting against his life. Unfortunately, Thrombey was murdered the very night you began your investigation. His widow, Jane Thrombey, was a prime suspect, but you proved her innocent. And afterward, she continued to live in the huge Victorian house until she died of a heart attack a few months ago. You've enjoyed being a private detective, but lately you've been thinking about going into a new field. In fact, you've decided to become a ghost hunter. What got you interested was a magazine article on the subject. The author said that in most cases, a haunted house was once the scene of a murder. This fact tied in with some news you heard recently after Jane Thrombey died a few months ago. A man named Howard Grimstone bought the Thrombey place. Neighbors say that strange things Grimstone. have been going on there. Yeah, Grimstone. You have to what say kind it, of stone Howard. is it, Lee? Grim. It's grim. Oh. <laughs> Neighbors say kind. that strange things have been going on there. Lights on late at night, guard dogs patrolling the grounds, weird sounds coming from the house. The more you think about it, the more likely it seems that the ghost of Harlow Thrombey has come to haunt the house where Thrombey was murdered. Page two. Another thing in the article that caught your eye, the article said that Professor Zyback, who is supposed to be one of the world's leading authorities on ghosts, works at the Institute for Occult Studies. The IOS, the IOS, huh, there you go. Hmm. <laughs> Only a few miles from where you live. The author did not seem to have a high opinion of Dr. Zyback, however. In fact, he said this, Although Zyback has interviewed hundreds of people who claim to have seen ghosts, he admits he's never seen a ghost himself. How can he be so sure, then, that ghosts really exist? Doesn't he know that people have a way of seeing what they want to see or what they're afraid of seeing? Dr. Zyback's evidence, in quotes here, for the existence of ghosts seems no more convincing than all the so-called evidence for UFOs and ESP. You ask various people if they know anything about Dr. Zyback. A neighbor of yours, Mrs. Waleka, tells you that she knows Dr. Zyback for many years. I don't know whether his theories about ghosts are true or not, but I know this, she says, he's an honest man. You wonder whether it would be useful to see Dr. Zyback or not. If you decide to pay a call on Professor Zyback, turn to page four. If you decide to start ghost hunting without delay, turn to page 11. So let us know in the chat. Do we call Professor Zyback or do we start hunting ghosts right away? Let us know in the chat. Ghost hunting, ghost hunting, ghost hunting, <laughs> no delay. <laughs> there we go. Got a new Fight them ghosts. Let's see the good toast. doctor. I want some toast. Ricky says, see the doctor. Oh, okay. So we got one vote for doctor. We'll wait another second here and see if we get another vote. So we'll to, go back once to... again, let people know what's happening here. We're doing a mashup episode yes. between home and time for Christmas and ghost ghost hunter hunter. So we'll switch. So for example, this decision will take us back to home and time for Christmas. And then the next decision we get to in home and time for Christmas will take us back to ghost hunter. 
So we're seeing how well they mash together. We're, we're getting the taters out and we're just so mashing far. them up. Listen, got your taters. <laughs> Get her, Ray. Get her. Get her. Oh, Ghostbusters reference. That was your idea? Yep. Grab that ghost. Oh, so split. Split. Uh-oh, we got, right. we got fighting music. <laughs> all right well, that's all for we're, that <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kiss it or fight it that's what we're gonna fight <laughs> all right so heads so heads we call the doctor tails we ghost hunt tails we're gonna ghost, ghost hunt. hunt all right so that's page 11 in just in time for christmas it's nice of you to invite me to stay you say but I have to get home right away. Otherwise, my mom will call the police. Ooh. We don't understand how time travel works. Your no. mom's not born yet. Exactly. Good point. Nor, nor is the police that she would call. <laughs> good point. Or the phone. That, yeah, exactly. Or the phone. It's not happening at the same time, kid. Oh, yeah. oh dear, replies Aubrey. You're right, Daniel adds. We hadn't thought of that. These poor kids. They don't know how time travel works. They don't. He helps strap you back in. The time machine begins to click and whir. Begin countdown, Aubrey. Daniel, uh, oh, sorry, orders. Ten, nine, Aubrey begins. Wait, tell us just one thing about the future, he pleads. Space invaders, you shout, just as a, bris <laughs> uh, as a brilliant white light flashes, followed by a loud kaboom. You yelled out space invaders. Space invaders? Bro? That's the best you can come They're up gonna with. Think, you're going to think there's aliens that are attacking us in the future. Oh, we'll see. I wish. Alien reference there almost. I say it's the alien reference. He, we were trying to reference a video game called Space Invaders to British kids who don't know how electricity works. He works. Yeah, I know. Should have said something good like, you know, sports almanac like Marty McFly. Yeah, exactly. We... We cram cheese inside of pretzels now and call them combos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have chocolate cookies with vanilla frosting in the middle and call them Oreos. They're great. They're great. You know? Boom. Off. And they no. just look at each other. Space invaders. Oreos? <laughs> what? Oreos? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ricky. Combos? Buy, buy Apple stock. There you I'm go. Uh, to buy Apple stock, turn to page nine. We're going back. Let's see, go back to page nine. Okay. You shut your eyes tight for your trip through time. You're wondering when to open them when someone says it didn't work. Get my reading glasses, kids. I'm getting old. You jerk your head up. Daniel, Aubrey, I'm still here. The time machine blew up, Daniel replied, coughing. His face is black from smoke. It took us three years to build, cries Aubrey. Three years, you ask in disbelief. How will I ever get home now? Turn to page 41. I haven't any idea, Daniel says, coughing. It looks like you're stuck. <laughs> well, Daniel has no wherewithal. <laughs> I guess you live here now. Wait, Aubrey says. What about Wozniak, the eighth wonder of the world? Who, you ask? Wozniak, the eighth wonder, replies Daniel, is one of the, most, is one of the best magicians alive. It's a stroke of genius on Aubrey's part. Come on. Turn to page 18. 
Huh, this was funny. the one that had like four endings and we had to hop all over. Yeah. Funny how we that mentioned 18, Apple, Apple stock and we have a, a, almost a Wozniak. Wozniak, exactly. Uh, half hour later, the three of you are seated in Wozniak's study. Wozniak has rosy cheeks, a round belly, and a bushy white beard. Hmm. I uh, wonder. Mighty be Satan? I mean, Santa! Santa. Satin. <laughs> Satin. Aubrey, keep, yeah, stop making us wait. I know, right? I know, right? In fact, if it weren't for his green robe covered with stars, you would he would look just like Santa Claus. Mm. Daniel explained your problem to the magician who listens carefully, stroking his beard. Finally, mm. Wozniak turns to you. You have two choices, my friend. Both are dangerous. Ooh. I can cast a sleeping spell. It will put you to sleep from now until you catch up with your own time. I would pick that one. I'm 46 <laughs> and exhausted. All Ooh, a nice, a nice long nap. A nice long nap till I catch up to my own time. I'll be dead, dude. He'll be dead. What the, <laughs> the risk is that you will wake, may wake up a few years early or a few years late. I can also feed you a mix of mi several magic powders. <laughs> this will trans. Oh, I know this is when like the drugs start getting yeah. introduced to kids. This will transport you immediately to the future, but there's a chance you will rematerialize in a different form. Oh! If you if you decide on the sleeping spell, turn to page twenty-two. If you decide to take Wozniak's magic powders, turn to page twenty-five. Oh man, taking drugs from strange men we don't know—that that doesn't sound like. <laughs> Yeah. Do uh, I take this mix of magical powder or wake up 30 year old in 1995 yeah. missing 15 years of Christmases? Yeah. Mm. All right. So we got magic powder from Ricky. So she says, take the magic powders. That's page 25. And hand magic powder from Jesse. All right, it's unanimous. They, they agreed. So, page 25. Do you want to keep in this one or do we want to go over to Ghost Hunter? We got to go to Ghost Hunter, man. We can't we okay. can't be doing this. This ends All the right. story on this book. We got to Magic right, Powders so lands you on page, page 25, 25 of the of Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunter. All right. Let's see what we got on page 25 here. It is a picture of a guy with a like what is that pencil mustache <laughs> i love it oh man but notice he's got suspenders and his shirt is tucked in all right so we'll go to the next page though so we'll go to page 26 sylvia leans towards you aunt jane provided in her will that the house and furniture be sold and proceeds given to charity all her money and jewels were to be left to me but before she died she put her money into diamonds she even told me how many there were 37. One of them was the famous cartoon star, one of the largest diamonds in the world. She hid them in a red leather box, and I'm the only one who knows it. The house has been sold, but I'm sure the diamonds are still in it. In fact, I think I know exactly where they are. Aunt Jane once showed me her secret hiding place behind the wood panel in the right rear corner of the cedar closet in the attic. What do you know about Howard Grimstone, the new owner? Not much, Sylvia replies with a shrug, but there's a lot of rumors about him. I've heard he's a big-time drug dealer. 
There's also a rumor oh, that he's magic in powder, the, magic powders. <laughs> yeah, magic powders, magic powders. It's a big time magic powders. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, see, they connect. <laughs> Telling you. <ya. laughs> There's also a rumor that he's in the arms smuggling business and that he makes bombs for terrorists. Not the kind of man you could ask to help you look for your diamonds, I guess. By now, you can see that this is going to be a tricky case, and it will delay your new career as a ghost hunter. Besides, you're not really sure you can help. If you tell Sylvia you don't think you can help, turn to page 8. If you tell her you'll think about it, turn to page 34. So do we tell Sylvia we don't think we can help her, or do you tell her we're going to go home and think about it? Let us know in the chat. All right. I love the connection, like you said. Powders, drugs? Yep. Huh. <laughs> huh. Hmm. I think these stories do have some connective tissue. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, Ricky, it's uh, sure as the day is long in Choose Your Own Adventure book. If we have a friend, we're going to, one of them's going to get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're, we're not a good person. We, t we tend to stab people in the back. Oh, Ricky See, says your help. your back is exposed to me. Ha, 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 ha. That's a good knife storage device. Ooh, we're going to fit about seven or eight knives in there. Yeah. All right, so page eight. Eddie, back in Christmas land. Eight it is. Eight is an illustration, so I'm going to go to page nine. You shut your eyes tight for your trip through time. You're wondering when to open them when someone says, it didn't work. You jerk your head up. Daniel, Aubrey, I'm still here. The time machine blew up. Daniel replies, coughing. His face is black from smoke. It took us three years to build, cries Aubrey. Three years, you ask in disbelief. How will I ever get home now? We've already done this. Yes. We're going to be on the Wozniak. See, we're, this is how the mashup can bite you in the booty a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you get some repeat here sometimes. So we're going back to Wozniak. I almost think we give our listeners a complete story and keep on going with Wozniak here to, to, to find a... Uh, to <laughs> Ricky's <a> like... <laughs> we, we did, did travel, travel back, back in time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, told you. So. <laughs> So, what uh, say we just go straight to Wozniak? Yeah, which is page 18, I think. Yeah, there we go. So we'll go back to Sleeping Spell and Magic Powders. And we'll pick the Magic Powders since people wanted powder. Yes, 25. Remember that? 25. Okay. I'll take the Magic Drugs Powders, you announce. <laughs> Wozniak opens a door behind the bookcase behind him. And it's his laboratory. The laboratory. The, wa the walls are covered with jars of strange liquids and powders. He whips up a bright green mixture and hands it to you in a tiny glass cup. Swallow it in one gulp, he orders. Here goes, you say, trying to sound brave. The powders taste horrible. You cough, sputter, and disappear. Ooh. All right. 29. 29. When you open your eyes, you're lying on the living room floor. Above you is the Christmas tree, which seems enormous. Hooray, you yell, but no sound comes out. You try to move, 
and can't. A huge hand suddenly reaches down to pick you up. Where'd we get this red star, Mom? You hear your sister ask. You know why it's red, right? Because it's made from our bones. Bones, <laughs> yes. I don't know, sweetheart, your mother yells from the kitchen. Allison, Mom, you cry. It's me. But they don't seem to notice or hear you. Wozniak powders didn't work. You've rematerialized as a Christmas tree ornament. I think I'll put the star right here, says Allison, hanging you on a branch. The end. Oh, I remember this one. Yes, we became a Christmas ornament. We got transmogrified into a Christmas ornament with sentience and feeling, but no voice. We're trapped in a living hell. This is no <laughs> scary we're, ghost stories. We're stuck in a storage box for six months or, you know, 10 months out of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're getting brought out on Thanksgiving if you're lucky. I almost want to see what happens if we did the years thing. No, because then I remember. Uh, we'll, just, we'll, we'll just try it. Yeah, exactly, Jesse. You're a Christmas ornament, yeah. but never a shark. Yeah. Exactly. All right. We'll go so, back to the, uh, let's see here. We'll take the sleeping spell. What do you think? Yes, let's do, let's see, what page was that? That was so 18. I'll read this. I'll read this to the uh, to the people who just jumped, uh, who just joined us here. Breaking a little format tonight, but our mashup kind of became a too mashy. Yeah, a little too mashy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just say no to drug powder uh, <laughs> just don't don't do the powders kids <laughs> quick synopsis we are in the 1987s we hit our head because that has to happen in every book yes concussions. and upon hitting our head woke up in victorian era london with two precocious children who created a time machine without the power of electricity i can only imagine <laughs> it's powered by anger <laughs> anger and rage <laughs> and so now we are stuck in victorian england with a broken time machine now seeking out the help of a wizard who is uh coincidentally named wozniak mm -hmm. one letter away from wozniak who was a pretty prominent figure in the 80s and wozniak now is going to be our one true hope at getting yes. back home to 1987 and Christmas. Here we go. A half hour right. later, the three of you are seated in Wozniak's study. Wozniak has rosy cheeks, a round belly, and a bushy white beard. In fact, if it weren't for his green robe covered with stars, he would look just like Santa Claus. Daniel explains your problem to the magician who listens carefully, stroking his beard. Finally, Wozniak turns to you. You have two choices, my friend. Both are dangerous. Fight me in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I'm <laughs> queuing up the music. That's us fist-fighting Santa. We're fist-fighting Santa for our way back. Two choices. You know he's, he's legit if he's stroking his beard. Exactly. One way is that I can cast a sleeping spell. It will put you to sleep from now until you catch up with your own time. The sleeping spell is a right hook. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
The risk is that you may wake up a few years early or a few years late. I can also feed you a mix of several magic powders. This will transport you immediately to the future, but there's a chance you will rematerialize in a different form. He didn't lie. He didn't lie. No, he told us the truth. So since he chose the powders and showed up as a sentient uh, hellscape of an ornament, we're going to go ahead and go to the sleeping spell, page 22, and see what happens here. Want me to read that one? Yeah, go for it, sir. I think I'll go with the sleeping spell, you tell Wozniak. He reaches in the folds of his green gown and pulls out a milky white stone. It's tied to a silk cord. Watch the stone, he tells you swinging it back and forth in front of your eyes. At first, you feel a gentle tingle in the back of your head. The tingle travels down your hands and your feet. It spreads to your legs, or spreads to your eyes, and soon you can't keep them open. You feel sleepier and sleepier. Finally, you feel nothing. Ooh, Page like 31. me right now. I'm dead yeah. inside. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. By the way. Page 31. When you open your eyes, it's snowing. You look around. You're on on the Kravitz front lawn, three blocks from your home. Thwack. Something hits you right in the head. Again, another head trauma. (laughs) More head trauma. More head trauma. You look down. It's a newspaper. Your hands shake as you open it and look at the date. Yippee. It says December 24th. You made it home in time for Christmas after all. The end. Yes. yes, we did it. And All right. we arrived soon enough to not have to uh, hit our heads. We could be like, oh, oh, not hitting my head this time. Not going to do it again. Yeah. Magic powder was a better trip. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> you don't get more wackier than turning into a Christmas ornament. So, I mean, it's all it's all fun and games until like literally. Yeah, you're like you're like just, you just show up and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> help did i did i hear something it's like that that reminds me of like an old creep show you yeah know, like you'll always be home for christmas when you're an ornament yeah you'll never be late yeah you'll be never you'll never be late for christmas you'll always be part Which, of by the, the way not not in my house man i can think maybe uh, it's been a while like what is the average lifespan uh lee in your household for any christmas ornament oh do you have any 20 year old ornaments <sighs> no i mean we have some paper ones made by the kids you know that they make oh yeah they're those, toe up but if they're they're breakable yeah you're lucky to get a couple of years out of them at best at, oh yeah at best yeah. i think there's one ornament i think you know i take that back i have an ornament straight from 1984 i'm gonna oh, go get really? it i'll be right back yes. right here yeah let's show let's see this 30 yeah there you go yeah ricky i have a 30 plus year old ornament yeah we have a few but i can't tell you how many ornaments we've had to throw away when we get them out of storage and they're just crushed so for the most part most of them don't seem to last very long but yeah there are a handful of them but even some of the ones we do have that are older are chipped or cracked or something like that yeah yeah, our sister drops us on the way back. Oh, whoops. <laughs> this sucker. The, the Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's awesome. The Mickey Mouse ornament. Yeah, it's so old. Like the red has like flaked off of some of his suit. Oh, you're right. 
and it's supposed to be clear, but it's kind of gotten a little yellowed with age. Is that acrylic? But yeah. It's like just a clear plastic, kind of like one of those oh. sun catchers almost. Okay, okay. But yeah. it literally is... Yeah, 1984 Walt Disney Studios. That is, <laughs> that is the oldest ornament I, I own. Ricky says, I'm older than that ornament. <laughs> well, Ricky, so, so are we. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, Je- Jesse made a funny point. Just think if the sister drops the the or us the ornament on the way back or <laughs> yeah now, oh great, <laughs> oh, just, great. <laughs> he breaks his, his his old ornament yeah and then she tries to glue him back together <laughs> yeah exactly but according to that story this ornament is probably uh me from a different timeline Ooh, wrapped yeah. inside of my that's my living hell that's eddie yeah trapped in another he, he took the powder i took the powder Thank you for taking the powder. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe we'll put it out to the audience of, uh, of, of people watching. Do we want to do one more round through the Christmas uh, book, or do we want to take a stab at the uh, the ghost the ghost hunter book from the very beginning and just not and not hop off of it? Yeah, let us know in the chat real quick. Ghost hunter, or I'll be home in time for Christmas. We can do either I mean, one. If everybody had that ornament. I would love to see. It. Send pictures of your old ornament. Put them in the chat. Yeah, yeah. Love to S- see them. Send us. You can go on social medias and post your oldest ornament picture that you have. Oh, Ricky says Ghost Hunter. So we have a, a vote for Ghost Hunter. Well, unless we get a different vote, we'll do Ghost Hunter. And let's not do the the beginning of it because we already have the introduction. I think. <laughs> Jesse, add it, Kid Hunter. <laughs> yes, add it, Kid, kid Hunter. hunter. <laughs> kid Hunter. Um, kid hunting. Ultimate, okay, the ultimate game. We'll go to page two here. Here's where we decided to pay a call to Professor Zyback or start ghost hunting right away. Let's go to Professor Zyback then. Start there. What All page right. is that? Page four. Within the hour, you knock on the door of Professor Zyback's office at the Institute. A moment later, you are greeted by a tall, slim man wearing a tweed vest and polka dot bow tie. He ushers you into the office, which is made even smaller by huge stacks of books piled up against the wall. Sit down and make yourself comfortable. The professor taps the ashes out of his pipe and snuffs, stuffs in some tobacco, but evidently deciding you might not want to sit in a room full of smoke, he lays down the pipe on his already cluttered desk. What can I do for you? I'm sorry, but I have to go to a meeting and I only have a few minutes. Well, you say clearing your throat. I read that you've done a lot of research on ghosts. I thought you maybe you could give me a few tips. Oh, this is that picture. So you got this guy that just looks totally annoyed that this kid is here. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> and you're like, say, I'm an expert myself. I know everything about finding ghosts and being amazing. In fact, I'm probably smarter than you. <laughs> yeah, and you have a weird haircut. All right. Tips? The professor frowns. Well, it's a very complicated subject, not one that boils down to a few tips. That being said, I'll tell you this. Number one, ghosts exist but they normally don't exist in the way in which we are aware of their existence. So most of the time, it doesn't matter whether they exist or not. I don't quite follow. 
you start to say, but the professor interrupts you with an upraised finger. I'm not surprised you can't follow. It's a very complicated, as I say, but what I say next, you can follow. Number two, ghosts don't hurt people. You are more likely to be hurt if you run from a ghost than if you go toward it. The professor takes a gold watch out of his pocket and looks at it. Oops, I'm very late. As he gets to his feet and grabs his jacket from the coat stand, he waves his pipe at you. Goodbye. I wish you luck. Good day. Before you can even thank the professor, he's out the door. You glance around the cluttered little office a moment and then head for home, thinking about what he said. You're sitting at your desk thinking how you might begin your work as a ghost hunter when the phone rings. It's your old friend, Jenny Mudge. That's quite a coincidence, Jenny, who is also a private detective. She helped you solve the Harlow Thrombay murder case. How are things, you ask? Jenny replies in her usual lively voice. Very fine. I've stopped being a private detective and decided to become a ghost hunter. That's amazing, you say. Great minds think alike. I was just about to see if I can find out whether Harlow Thrombay's ghost has returned to haunt his old house. Could be, Jenny replies, but I've learned of a house that, by all reports, is definitely haunted. It's just a little way out of town, the Gray Mansion. It's been empty for a long time. The place is so haunted, weird, cursed, whatever you want to call it, that no one will go near it. I called you to see if you'd like to go out there with me this Saturday. If you decide to join, join Jenny, turn to page 14. If you decide to hunt for Harlow Thrombay's ghost instead, turn to page 18. All right. So let us know in the chat. Do haunted we join... first date. Yeah, haunted first date. Yes. Do we join Jenny or do we go hunt on our own? Let us know in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Tip one, go home, kid. You bother me. Exactly. <laughs> that guy couldn't get out of there fast enough. But I like how he just left us in his office. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ricky is summing up our uh, her opinion of what we uh, feel about our character. <laughs> <laughs> Pretentious. Forget Jenny. Okay. Yeah. So Jesse says hunt on your own. Jenny says forget Jenny. Or Ricky says forget Jenny. So yeah. All right. Here we go. So, it's unanimous. 18. We're gonna 18 just 18 it, it is. On. Here I go. Because we're we're better anyway. We don't need her help. Oh, sorry. You decide little, little little rocking boat there for you guys. Yeah. You decide first of all to pay a call on Howard Grimstone, the new owner of the Thromby House. You're sitting Thromby. Isn't that pretty close to Harlow Throm? Yeah, it is Harlow Thromby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I was like, this is what the heck are they doing here? These are connected. Yep. You're sitting at your desk thinking about what to ask him when a woman appears at your front door. I'm Sylvia Rustin, Jane Thromby's niece, she says. May I come in? Of course. You take a look at your visitor as you usher her into your office. She is a rather plump, round-faced woman. Damn! <laughs> 80s. Harsh judge. 1980s. Yes. That was the first thing we did in the 80s, man. It was it's brutally mean. Yes, we are. In her 40s, you guess. Her skin is so fair you imagine she must sunburn very easily. Her yellowish hair is curly. He looks as if she was a, a, has a basically happy nature, but right now she seems tense and anxious. 
you had heard that Jane Thromby had left most of her money to Sylvia, and you're curious to know what what brought her to see you. Sit down. What seems to be the problem? You motion her toward the old couch next to your desk. I'm penniless, and I should be rich. Me too, Sylvia. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Me too. Join us. <laughs> you search Sylvia's eyes for a clue to her character. What do you mean? I heard you inherited most of your Aunt Jane's wealth. Everything except the house. <laughs> Just 40-year-olds yeah. aren't real. <laughs> nice yeah. try, Sylvia. I know it goes when I see one. 40-year-olds aren't real. <laughs> exactly. They don't exist. Turn to page 26. All right. Page 26. There we go. Sylvia leans toward you. Aunt Jane provided in her will that the house and furniture be sold and the proceeds given to charity. All her money and jewels were left to me. But before she died, she put her money into diamonds. She even told me how many. There were 37. One of them was the famous uh, Khartoum Star, one of the largest diamonds in the world. She hid them in a red leather box, and I'm the only one who knows it. The house has been sold but I'm sure the diamonds are still in it. In fact, I think I know exactly where they are. Aunt Jane once showed me her secret hiding place behind a wood panel in the right rear corner of the cedar closet in the attic. What do you know about Howard Grimstone, the new owner? Not much, Sylvia replies with a shrug, but there's a lot more rumors about him. I've heard he's a big drug dealer in magical Ooh. powders. <laughs> yes. There's also a rumor that he's in the arms smuggling business and that he makes bombs for terrorists. Wow. We would just, just smear campaign on this guy. No kidding. Not the How kind of man you could ask to help you look for diamonds, I guess. By now you can see that this is going to be a tricky case, but it will delay your new career as a ghost hunter. Besides, you're not really sure you can help. If you tell Sylvia you don't think you can help her, turn to page eight. If you tell her you'll think about it, turn to page 34. Hey, Eddie, here's a good dad joke. He's he's arm smuggler. He's got left ones. He's got right ones. He's got big ones. He's got small ones. Just all sorts of arms. Take your pick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's an arms dealer. Yes. It's all these prosthetic arms. Yeah. <laughs> it was the one-armed man. <laughs> all right. So, think about it or help. Looks like we got a vote for or tell think about her it. we don't think we can help. Oh, don't think we can help. Okay. All right. So we got help. Do we have we have uh, we have uh, some votes for help? We have one vote for think about it. I think, barring a, another vote here, I think. Oh, there we go. Oh, help, help. Okay, so I think the helps the helps got it. I think the help, I don't think you can help. So that's page eight, right? Oh, wait. Oh, man. We have oh. Christina looking at us at 4 a.m. Christina, I Jeez. 4 a.m.? Wow, Christina. Man. Thank wow. you. Yeah, you are a to... true fan. I think we got we to gotta give Christina at least a something, a... Uh, yeah, to do a, uh, a proof rock and Schmidt real quick to to thank her for joining us this early in the I morning. Guess so, 
Oh, Christina says, think about go. it. So we're tied. <laughs> right, we're tied. And uh, oh, with, with that, we have to do if we're tied. Hold on. I'll let you queue up the. Uh, here we go. Tied means we got to fight this sucker out. <laughs> All right. Okay, I digress. Okay, so we're going to have to flip for it. Let's see. Heads, we don't think we can help Sylvia. Tails, think Head, about it. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. Here we go. Think about it. Huh. All right. So, page 34. All right. Oops. I'll Before. think about it. That's I'll you, think sir. about it. All right. That would be me. Here we go. Whoops. After Sylvia rests and leaves, you sit at your desk wondering how you can possibly help her. If you take the case, you'll hardly be able to call up Grimstone and ask if you can search the closet in his attic. If you were to tell him what you're looking for, the diamonds would surely vanish by the time you got there. You tilt back, feet on your desk, eyes closed. A loud knocking interrupts your thoughts. Opening the door, you find a rather short, stocky man. His oily gray hair is slicked back over his head. A close-shaven mustache looks like a line of grease paint over his thin, almost non-existent upper lip. I'm Howard Grimstone. What kind of gray hair did he have again? Let's see. Oily, graying hair. <laughs> I the like that. kind. <laughs> yes. You can light it on fire. <laughs> yeah, you can... You can, you can uh... Get your frying pan ready. Yeah, or you can fix squeaky doors. You take your pick. Ooh, there you go. Rub yeah. some of that gray hair on that door hinge. It's probably brutal cream if it's the 80s. Ooh, a little dabble, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard you're a private detective and I need your help. You try to hide your astonishment. Well, please come in, you motion to the same old couch Sylvia Rustin so recently vacated. What's your problem? Turn to page 27. It's the strangest thing, Grimstone begins, in what strikes you as a rather phony tone of voice. I recently bought a house owned by Jane Thrombe, who died a few months ago. It's a great house, suits my needs in every way, but it has one problem. Grimstone leans forward as if to add emphasis to his statement. And what's the problem? Ghosts. The place is haunted. Strange wailing sounds and lights. My employees and I can't get a good night's sleep. That's bad enough. But the other things have been happening. Last night, the crystal chandelier began swaying wildly. Then, some of the crystals crashed onto the dining room table. One of my men was cut by flying glass. I've never believed in ghosts before, but I'm telling you, there's one in that house. What do you want me to do? Grimstone leans forward, his thin lips stretching into some sort of smile. I need someone to find that ghost and get rid of it. I need a ghost hunter. I think I'll... I'll think about it and let you know in the morning, you say. As he leaves, Grimstone, stern, Grimstone turns. I'll make it worth your while. Turn to page 20. We do a the, lot of thinking about it. We do. I'll we think, think a lot. About it. We're very introspective. Yeah. This case True. is getting very interesting. Whom should you work for? Sylvia Rustin or Howard Grimstone? It wouldn't seem right to work for both of them without telling them what you're doing. Yet, that doesn't make sense. You'd be more inclined to work for Grimstone. You want to be a ghost hunter. On the other hand, you don't like the idea of working for a criminal. Still, Grimstone isn't asking you to do anything illegal, so why not take the case? 
You feel some loyalty to Sylvia Rustin because she came to you first. You can't just let your thoughts go around in circles like this. You've got to make a decision. All right, here we go. If you decide to work mm. for Sylvia Rustin, turn to page 28. If you decide to work for Howard Grimstone, turn to page 70. So let us know in the chat, Howard Grimstone or Sylvia Rustin. Let us know in the chat. And I'm torn. I know. What do we do? Let us know. I feel like I feel like ghosts are kind of like Bigfoot, right? If you go looking for them, you may not find them. Loyalty doesn't pay the mortgage, according to Ricky Grimstone. <laughs> Jesse, I don't <laughs> Jesse negotiate, with ghosts. negotiate with ghosts. <laughs> oh, that's right. We said that Silvio is pale and 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, but he also thinks Howard Grimstone is a ghost. So that's true. Oh, Christina do. says Sylvia. So uh let's we see could be split here so we have one vote for sylvia one vote for grimstone another vote for grimstone because jesse says i don't negotiate with ghosts i assume that means not sylvia he cut he called them both ghosts so i don't know oh. <laughs> okay. what jesse wants to do <laughs> i'd do both i'd help yeah. them both and be like yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm getting paid twice Oh, Gerald hopped in. One for Grimstone. So Grimstone. Two Grimstones and one Sylvia. Okay. That's Grimstone. We're going to go work for an arms dealer. All right. Page 70. He's got left I arms, think as a little right treat arms. For anyone here who hasn't seen it yet, we should, uh, uh, upon saying goodnight, we should give them a little taste of the Proofrock and Schmidt. Proofrock and Schmidt. Okay. That'll be our out. All right, here we go. 70. Here we are. I'm getting there. My phone's trying to keep up. Almost there. When you call Grimstone to tell him you're taking the case, he asks you to stop over that evening. You set out for his house right after dinner with your miniature high-intensity flashlight turned, tucked into your pocket. <laughs> Somehow you think you may need it. Well, first of all, this is a choose-your-own-adventure book, my friend. Of course. Pocket flashlight. That's the bare minimum. <laughs> minimum. I mean, I'm shocked we don't have more. <laughs> Walking up to the great oak door of the huge Victorian house, you think back to the first time you came here, the night of Harlow Thrombe's murder. Things have changed a lot since then. A high wrought iron fence now surrounds the property. Thick cedar hedges have been planted so that it's not possible to see any of the ground floor windows from the street. The place resembles a fortress more than a gentleman's estate. As you approach the house, you hear fierce barking. Startled, you turn. For the first time, you notice the large dog pen attached to one side of the house. Two huge mastiffs are raging at you from the other side of a chain-link fence. Does that mean they're mad or they dancing like crazy? Yeah, <laughs> they're dancing. <laughs> yes, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Um, you shudder to think what would happen if they got out. The front door opens before you reach it. A hulking, square-shouldered man appears. His stiff, bristly hair looks like steel wool. A grotesque smile is fixed on his face. He's a ghost. Wow. He's a ghost, too. Yeah, he's a ghost. I hope those dogs can't get out, you say. 
The man laughs. You don't like our pets? Don't worry, their gate won't open unless we push a button inside the house. That's nice to know, you reply, not offering to shake hands. Is Mr. Grimstone home? Come in, my young friend. Don't be put off by Kenny. He has no manners, Grimstone calls from the foyer. Isn't that bad manners to say someone has no manners? Someone has no manners. You walk past steel wool Kenny into the great house. <laughs> it has a much more somber look than you remember. The walls have been covered with dark chestnut paneling. The floors, which used to be polished and shining, are covered with a dark brown stain. It's probably blood. <laughs> yes, most likely. <laughs> Grimstone, Grimstone shows you into the library. He looks you up and down as if you as if he were measuring you for new clothes. The ghost starts making noises every night at about eight o'clock. Well, that's a reasonable time. I mean, yeah. it's not so late. Not, it's not too late. Yeah, it's not too early. Not too late. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's reasonable prime time. It's almost eight now. I'm going to have to leave you alone for a while. I have to discuss business with my associates in the dining room. Grimstone gives you a funny look like this. Uh, <laughs> he sticks his tongue out at you. <laughs> um, do you want to wait here until the noise begins, or do you want to explore the house? If you decide to wait in the library, turn to page 46. If you decide to explore the house, turn to page 106. Ooh. So Ricky says, oh, definitely explore. She, she came right out of the gate. <laughs> explore that house. Yeah. <laughs> they had some magic powder. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they had some magic powder. That's what happened. Uh, they traded intelligent chips for rain dogs. <laughs> I noticed that. So on House of Danger, it was intelligent chimps. Now it's dogs, mastiffs. I know. Gerald right. says, explore. 8 p.m. is business time. So, all right. So, I'm thinking explore, 106. Explore. I got ex we got to explore, man. Yeah. Go for it. All 106. Right. Let's go to 106 and explore this paneling. <laughs> That's so 80s, too. Paneling. All right. right. I just as soon get started exploring the house, you say. That's perfectly fine, Grimstone replies. Pleasantly, too pleasantly. You can go anywhere. We have no secrets here. As the two of you walk through the downstairs hall, he motions to the dining room where Kenny and three other men are seated at the dining room table. Excuse me, I have some business to, business to conduct with these gentlemen. He enters the dining room, closing the door behind him. You stand in the hallway a moment, thinking everything about Grimstone, his thuggish lackey, the high iron fence outside, the huge guard dogs, all confirm Sylvia's opinion of him as a professional criminal. Yet... He's given you the run of the house to look for ghosts. It's odd. You'd like to th find ex evidence of ghosts, but to tell the truth, you're even more curious to find out whether Jane Thromby's diamonds are hidden in the attic cedar closet. This may be your only chance while no one is watching. If you decide to directly go to the attic and search the cedar closet, turn to page 66. If you decide to explore the house room by room, working your way up to the attic, turn to page 92. All right. Hmm. So, do we search the house room by room, or do we go straight to the attic? Let us know in the like, chat. I couldn't say what I want, as an impartial host, so we'll just... <laughs> I got a vote from Ricky. I guess he wants what Sylvia knows. Go room by room. Hmm. Okay. 
So we got to vote for room by room. Yeah, pleasantly, almost too pleasantly. <laughs> pleasantly, like pleasant <laughs> ghost, like Casper, the friendly ghost. I'm on to you, Grimstone. <laughs> Jesse's no, vote for Attic. To. So we're tied. We got one for room by room. Oh, no, Gerald says room by room as well. Okay. So page 92. Most likely here, unless we get a last second vote and tie it well, up. See if Christina hops in here with a vote. Otherwise, we're going room by room. We'll see what we can find. Give it another couple seconds here and see what we get here. Yeah. Just in case. Room by room. Pleasantly. 92. Yeah. Almost too pleasantly. Almost too. So let us know in the chat if you just joined us what you want oh, us to do. Oh, we got room do. by room. Oh, we did. Christina. Okay. All right. Here we go. There we go. You begin your room by room search by returning to the library. There you tap the walls. You check a closet. Nothing unusual. It seems unlikely you'll find any clues before even hearing or seeing any ghosts. You leave the library and walk down a long, dark hallway that leads to a swinging door. Swinging? What? Again? Again? We need our swing counter. <laughs> I know, right? Passing through, you find yourself in a pantry lined with cabinets and sinks. You push through another swinging door. What the heck? <laughs> you find yourself in the huge kitchen. That's too much swinging in this, in this book. I know. In the huge kitchen. Face to face with a young woman dressed in a simple white dress and apron. She jumps back, startled. It's all right, you say. I'm a private detective hired by Mr. Grimstone. I have permission to check through the house. Oh, she replies. I'm Myra, the cook. Why are you checking the house? I'm looking for ghosts. I guess we should hear them pretty soon. It's almost eight. Ghosts? The young woman looks genuinely surprised. I haven't seen or heard any ghosts, and I've been living here for almost a month. Thinking fast, you realize what has been in the back of your mind all along. There was something fishy about Grimstone's asking you to look for ghosts. It's as if he's just invented this to get you to to get you over to his house and let you loose in it. But why? Mm -hmm. Myra hey. steps closer. You'd better leave this place. You're only asking for trouble working for Mr. Grimstone. What about you? You're working for him. In a, ho in a hushed voice, she says, I needed a job, and he pays well, but I must leave this place too. Mr. Grimstone wants you in the library. It's Kenny standing in the doorway. Be right there. You pull out a notepad, scribble down your name, address, and phone number on a slip of paper, and hand it to Myra. Call me as soon as you get a chance, you whisper. By this time, Kenny is walking toward you. You stride briskly past him, back to the library. He follows close behind. In the library, Grimstone wastes no time. I've decided you don't have it as a ghost hunter. You've been here a full seven minutes. I know. <laughs> he says, now I have other things to do. Kenny will show you out. You start to argue, but Kenny is hovering over you, looking as if he's itching to pick you up and toss you out the door. 
better not stick around, Grimstone says. It's almost time to give the dogs their evening exercise. Oh. Turn to page 76. Wow. Right, this this turned south quick. It did. That didn't take long. It's the next day. You're back home and you're still mad at the way Grimstone treated you. You're trying to figure out what to do next when there's a knock at the door. It's Myra. She rushes inside and slumps exhausted on the couch. You shut the door behind her. Hello. You look as if things are going badly, you say. I am really upset, she replies shakily. Grimstone has gone out of town for two days. When he gets back, I'm going to ask for my pay and quit. I wanted to warn you never to go back there. Who's staying at the house now? Just Kenny and Grimstone's poker-playing friends. They're all hitmen who wait around doing nothing until a job comes up. <laughs> when Grimstone goes away, they sit up all night playing cards and getting drunk. It frightens me being alone there, but if I walk out now, I'll never get my pay my payback. A plan is forming in your mind. While Grimstone is away, and with Myra there, you might have a chance to sneak up to the attic and check out the cedar closet. Would you mind if I come visit you for a couple of hours tonight? Go to the next page. Okay. No, says Myra. Surprised? I'd be glad of your company. But you mustn't come to the front door. They'll never let you in. Come around the left side of the house at 8 o'clock and tap at the kitchen window. The dogs will be in their pen. Be very quiet so they won't hear you. After Myra leaves, you consider reconsider whether you dare undertake your scheme. You have no legal right to search Grimstone's house, and you'll have ferocious dogs, drunken hitmen, and crazy Kenny <laughs> to deal with. If you go to the house that night, turn to page 57. If you decide to not risk it, turn to page 88. Oh, boy. This is this awesome. Is getting crazy. I know. <laughs> we have uh, ferocious dogs, drunken hitmen, and Kenny. Oh, my. You know? No, uh, no intelligent chimps that we have to fight and no? potentially murder. None of that. Don't trust Myra or Crazy Kenny. Hmm. So don't risk it. That's Ricky, Ricky's vote. Christina says, "Go to the house." All right. I like how Get back in there. We almost see. Uh, you have no legal right to search the house. I mean, when is that? It? Breaking and entering has never been a problem for us. Again, another hallmark of uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. This is the minute we break in. It's like, check that off the list, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost we don't have head trauma yet, though. Yeah, it's almost synonymous with aliens and ghosts and head trauma. Yes. Uh-huh. Danger, Will Robinson. Okay, so Ricky says, don't risk it. <laughs> you crazy Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> crazy Kenny. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we have one vote for go to the house. We have one vote yep. for not risk it. Don't risk it. We're tied right now. Okay. Get in there. Jesse, okay, so no, Jesse. Now we're not tied. All right. Page 57. We're, we're going to do some breaking and entering because that's what we do. We're good at it. Listen, check that off the choose your own adventure list. Exactly. Shortly after sunset that evening, you climb over the iron gate of the front of the Grimstone house and drop noiselessly to the ground. Fortunately, the wind is blowing toward you, away from the dog pen. They're not likely to get your scent. 
You carefully make your way around toward the kitchen. The blinds are drawn, but you can hear the muffled sound of laughter as you pass the dining room. Myra is waiting for you. She lets you in the back door. Follow me, she whispered. We mustn't let them hear us. You tiptoe behind her as she leads you up the back staircase to the second floor, then along a hallway, stopping in front of the closed door. Mr. Grimstone has always kept this door locked, she says, but this time he forgot. Look inside. Myra opens the door and flips on a light. You stare open mouth at a row of open wooden crates filled with automatic rifles, machine guns, flares, and wired canisters that look very much like bombs. Myra flips the light off and closes the door. We'd better get back to the kitchen. I wouldn't want to get caught here. As she's talking, you're eyeing the stairs to the attic. You go on down, you tell her. I'll be along in a moment. Myra looks at you apprehensively, then quick and quiet as a cat. She disappears down the stairs. You find your way up two sets of stairs to the attic. As you shine your flashlight around, you notice a door. You pull it open. The scent of cedar is unmistakable. You found the right closet. Your flashlight beam guides you to a panel in the rear, right rear corner, wedging the blade of your pocket knife, there we go, into the crack between the panel and the next one next to it. You slowly pry off the unfastened panel. Your eyes rest on a small leather box. Unlatching the lid, you find a large collection of brilliant white diamonds. One of them is larger than you thought a diamond could be. You stare at the sparkling gems in amazement. Sylvia Rustin wasn't kidding. You're about to put the diamonds in your pockets, but then you stop a second to think. You don't have any right to take the diamonds. You can't be sure who owns them, and you've already taken quite a few risks. Your luck could run out at any time. All right, here we go. If you take the diamonds, turn to page 38. If you leave them and put back the wooden panel, turn to page 100. So do we take the diamonds or do we leave the diamonds? I like how we're trying to justify this all of a sudden. Like, wait a second. I've just committed a felony by breaking and entering. Maybe I shouldn't take the diamonds. I love Ricky's thing, though, too. She's like, listen, they didn't pay their bills. Yeah. <laughs> they, they broke their contract. Take them. Take them. All right. Which, Looks by like the way, got- I agree. I agree. Two <laughs> votes like, for yeah. take them. But, you know, we have to have this moral dilemma so that we can have a choice here. So I, I understand. But it's just interesting two votes for take it we got uh we'll give uh the viewers a couple more seconds and see where we land those diamonds belong to all the ghosts not just these ghosts take the diamonds okay (laughs) you slip the diamonds into your pockets close the leather box and replace the wood panel you quietly shut the says myra as soon as mr grimstone gets back are you going to tell the police about the weapons Myra shakes her head. If I do, they'll investigate. He'll know I told, and he'll kill me. I know it. He warned me. And please don't don't you tell them either. Otherwise, you'll be my you may be responsible for my death. Wow. Then why did you show me that room? <laughs> Myra's this book got heavy, man. Myra's voice trembles as she answers. Because if anything happens to me, I want someone to know. Suddenly. Suddenly you remember the diamonds in your pockets. <laughs> Sooner or later, Kenny and his friends will cunning room, if only for more beer from the refrigerator. I have to leave, Myra. Please keep in touch with me. Goodbye, Myra whispers. Careful to make no noise, you open the back door and pause to look through the branches of the big oak trees that decorate the yard. Cautiously, you step forward. 
You've got about 50 yards to go to make it to the front gate. One of the big dogs races across the lawn. You freeze. The dog disappears around the back of the house, probably chasing a squirrel or a stray cat, you think. From behind you, standing at the open door, Myra whispers, they let the dogs out for the night. I know you whisper back. Can I hide in, hi, can I hide in the house overnight? It's all right with me, but I hope the men don't find you, says Myra. If you decide to hide in the house overnight, turn to page 44. If you decide to try to make it past the dogs, turn to page 98. This book is getting to be stressful. <laughs> wow, it is. All right. <laughs> Let us know in the chat. I mean, we got so, I mean, we're like tiptoeing around trying to get past crazy Kenny. Diamonds in our pockets. Guard dogs. Yeah, and I agree. Oh, it's too much. And I agree with Ricky. Like, like taking the diamonds does yeah. not, it is good in yeah. comparison to what's going on in that house. Arm smuggling. Yes. Grab a steak from the fridge and make a run for it. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Get a handful of pizza rolls and just be, yeah. Ugh, check it. Run for it. Those dogs are holograms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to the we're we're running past the dogs. I think. I'll give it another second here. Go but for I think it. That's, Go I think for that's it. What we're doing. The dogs are hologram. Them dogs real. ain't real. I done They're, seen it. I done seen. They just disappeared. All right, ninety-eight. Kitchen door closes behind you with a soft click. You stand absolutely still to avoid rousing the dogs while you consider your escape route. The fence is made of shafts of wrought iron. Except for at the front gate where you came in, the cross pieces aren't close enough to serve as rungs on a ladder. But earlier, you noticed that in the corner of the yard, out of sight of the dog pen, there's a tree with lower limbs close enough for you to reach. A branch of the tree extends a few feet over the fence. If you can reach that tree, you'll have made it. And your route will be out of sight of the dogs. Step by step, you move across the lawn, hardly daring to breathe. You're a little over halfway to the tree, when your right foot brushes against a small rock. Though it makes only the slightest sound, it's enough to bring the dogs to their feet, barking furiously. You look around. They're coming at you. You break into a mad dash. The dogs are coming fast, closing in. You leap up, grab a branch just above your head, and swing your feet up onto it. You reach for a higher branch and start to pull yourself up. Turn to page 103. Oh, there's the illustration. So we're just barely getting over that oh and the diamonds are are dumping out of our pockets oh man that's awesome all right turn to page 103 the dogs are there one of them lunges biting you on the left calf instinctively you swing back your right foot striking the dog with enough force in the chest to send it reeling over backwards the other one leaps higher closing its jaws on your right hip you hear a ripping sound it's your jeans the pockets rip open, spilling out diamonds and loose change. <laughs> Suddenly, sharp teeth rake your thigh. The other dog, you swing your right leg over a higher branch, diamonds spilling out of your other pocket. You're horizontal, hugging the branch, just out of reach of the leaping dogs. You manage to get a good grip on a higher branch, pulling yourself up to a standing position. You work your way to the big limb overhanging the fence, crawling along it, and drop safely to the other side of the fence. You can hear men yelling in the yard, but you're already running around the corner and through someone else's yard. Turn to page three. 
So they're literally going to have us go a hundred pages back, man, this is intense. What's happening. I know the dogs chasing after a nine-year-old. Come on. All right. Back home, you think about what's happened. You've managed to lose a small fortune in diamonds that belong to an innocent woman who has asked for your help. Your only consoling thought is that they are lying in the grass. Maybe someday you can get them back. Lee, see how optimistic we are? Always the upside. Yes. If you call the police and tell them everything, turn to page 22. If you decide to think more, if you decide to think more about what to do, turn to page seven. They want us to more thinking. Think more? Stinking thinking. All right. What do they mean by think more? I know. More thinking. So let us know in the chat. Do we call the police or do we do some more thinking? Ricky says think. Like we haven't done enough already, right? Think about it. Jesse says think about it. Okay. That's two votes for think about it. We'll give it another second here, Eddie, but otherwise <laughs> I want the ice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ice. <laughs> Ricky says, I want the ice. All right. So that's probably page seven, Eddie. We'll give it another second here. I but... got it. That evening you're sitting at your desk, still wondering what to do. You just about decided to call the police and tell them everything you know, but you feel embarrassed about not having called already. You pace around rest restlessly, then sit on the couch, thinking you doze off. Your next sensation is that of a presence in the room, an unearthly presence. Ooh. Half opening your eyes, you confront a blurred outline as if the figure before you were fashioned out of fog condensed into a human shape. Uncertain as the image is, you recognize it. That of a red star that has a human soul inside of it. Inside of it, yes. I'm kidding. <laughs> the, and the shock of recognition freezes you. You grab the back of the couch and the armrest for support. Standing at the far side of the room is the ghost of Harlow Thrombay. Oh. Why are you here? What do you want? You blurt out. Do not be afraid, the ghost replies. You will come to no harm. But you should not be surprised to be haunted by me. I hired you to save my life, and yet I was murdered that very night. I wish <laughs> I could have saved you, but at least I found out who murdered you. Yes, the ghost acknowledges, but it is your fate to be haunted by me. Shouldn't you be haunting your old house, you ask? I have spent many hours there, says Thrombe. I do not like to see my house possessed by an evil man. Then why don't you do something about it, you demand? It is the way of ghosts. Not to oh. punish evil people, but to let them bring about their own downfall. That gives people like you a chance to be a good force in the world. But I'm no match for Grimstone and his thugs, you say. Unless, would you help me, ghost buddy, team up? Ooh, team up with the ghost. If, you are bra if you're brave enough to try, then your courage should be rewarded. With these words, the ghost vanishes. Turn to page 17. All right, this is interesting. Blinking, you turn on more lights, but there is no trace of any presence in the room. Were you dreaming? It seems so real. You walk outside and look at the, wa the waning moon. You feel certain that in some way you will be helped by Harlow Thrombe's ghost. You pick up the phone and call Sylvia Rustin. I think I can get your diamonds, but I'll have to turn them over to the police first. You know. You'll have to prove they belong to you and not to Grimstone. That will be no trouble, Sylvia replies. 
Thank you. I'd be, I'd almost given up hope. And I promise you'll be well paid if you succeed. The next evening at seven, you Grimstone's house. There are now four attack dogs, and they are all loose on the grounds. The two who attacked you before remember your scent. They run up and down the inside of the fence, raging and growling. You ring the buzzer at the gate. In a moment, Kenny appears. I can help Mr. Grimstone with this problem, you say. Kenny commands the dogs to return to their pen, locks them in, and respectfully ushers you down the front walk into the house. You wonder at his change of attitude. Perhaps Harlow Thrombe's ghost has been at work. Grimstone is waiting for you in the library. Two of his henchmen are standing, arms folded, backs to the wall, watching like vultures perched in a tree. Okay, says Grimstone, where are the diamonds? What diamonds, you quickly reply. The men move closer, but Grimstone stops them with a wave of his hand. Don't play coy with me. We found out where they were hidden, and we know you got away with them. Do you think I would have let you back in this house if I didn't if I didn't know you had the diamonds? I thought you wanted me to help catch ghosts. There are no ghosts, Grimstone sneered at you. I made up that story to get you over here. I even had ghost effects to entertain you. I thought you'd given away the location of the diamonds. You outsmarted me for a while, but now... At a glance from Grimstone, the thugs moved closer. One of them unsheathes a knife and holds the sharp edge to your throat. Where are the diamonds, Grimstone repeats, thrusting his face close to yours. If you tell where the diamonds are, turn to page 54. If you try to talk your way out of it, turn to page 107. This is getting real. It is getting real. Talk your way out of it, being the the fast-talking nine-year-old that you are. <laughs> Ricky says lie. <laughs> lie. Oh, yeah. When in doubt. Nice try, guys. I'm a ghost. I'll never tell. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let you us know in the make chat. Me ghost talk. Yeah, exactly. Do we tell them where the diamonds are or do we try to talk our way out of it being the precocious little nine year old that we are? I'm a. I'm an arms Looking dealer. Like a, I'm going to get a nine-year-old over here. Oh, there we go. Lie. So we try to talk our way out of it. Okay. So that's page 107. Man, we are jumping all over the place here. Look, wait a second. I'll talk, you plead. I hand... Yeah, getting our steps in, exactly. Exactly. I handed the diamonds over to the police. Kenny slaps you hard across the face. You go reeling what? across the room. Dude, just smacked a nine-year-old across the room. <laughs> Holy cow. You paintbrushing us. <laughs> paintbrush. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't give us that, Grimstone barks. If you had done all of that, the police would have let me know. After all, you stole the diamonds from my house. You cringe against the bookcase as grimstone towers over you his forefinger planted in your cheekbone just below your right eye help please you cry out the thugs laugh and grimstone breaks into a broad smile help he says mocking you this is a soundproof room kid no one can help you here the moment grimstone utters these words the lights flicker violently and the house begins to shake boss what's going on kenny yells grimstone looks helplessly around 
Herman, check the basement. Maybe something's wrong with the furnace. One of the thugs rushes out of the room. You work your way along the bookcase. Grimstone starts after you, but his way seems blocked by a whirling white shape that sends out a shower of silvery sparks. Grimstone, Kenny, and the other thugs retreat to the far wall. They huddle paralyzed with terror as the whirling white blur comes to arrest, comes to arrest and turns into the ghost image of Harlow Thrombe. Turn to page 114. Dude. You stroll over to a desk and pick up the phone. Give me the police. This is an emergency. Harlow Thrombe's ghost whirls around the room like a tornado. Grimstone and his men cringe by the couch. You watch calmly. A few minutes later, the police burst into the house. At that same moment, the ghost disappears. Grimstone starts toward you, but the police officers are already in the room. They grab him, one by each arm. Shortly afterwards, Chief Ludhorn arrives. You show him the cachet of weapons, and Grimstone's fate is sealed. He and his henchmen are carted off to jail. The dogs are sent to the pound, and the house is locked up. Early the next morning, you climb over the Grimstone Gate. After an hour of searching, you manage to find all 37 of the lost diamonds. You turn them over to the police, and a few weeks later, a court rules that Sylvia Rustin is the rightful owner of the diamonds. You wonder whether you'll be able to charge Sylvia a fee for your services. After all, you never actually did agree to take the case. Sylvia Rustin, you find, is a very fair-minded woman. She gives you two of the diamonds as a reward. You take them to a jeweler and find out that the small one is worth $5,500. The larger one, being somewhat less pure and brilliant, is worth $4,500. Still, not bad. The end. Hey. Wow. That's a day. Listen, that was epic. That was epic, man. We had a ghost save life. (laughs) That's awesome. We just had a poltergeist step between us and some thugs. We teamed up with a ghost. We have to do another team up video or audio bit. We, we did. didn't die. Came we close. Die. Came close to becoming a ghost ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and with your help, we chose the adventure. And uh, hey, we're not we're not dead. We ended up with the diamonds. With we ended up with ten thousand nineteen eighty seven dollars. Well, nineteen eighty four dollars. Oh, wow. Which adjusted for inflation is like 30 grand in today's money. Probably. Man, if you're a nine year old today and someone hand you 30 grand, you'd be like, heck yeah. <laughs> thank you. Not yes. Thank you. Not bad. I love how the not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Huh. Yeah, we're okay. That's, you know, that's 30 grand, kid. Yeah. We're just like, you know what? I'm, I'm actually worth more than this, but you know, I'll take it. Yeah. I, I like Christina's math. It's like, it's basically a million. A it million. really is. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Oh man, that was good. Uh, with, that was really good. I uh, want to. Well, I guess we'll end on Proof Rock and Schmidt here, but uh, that was probably one of the longest ones we've done, man. I know, almost two hours. But hey, thank you for everybody in the chat. That was awesome. Always makes it much more fun. And Christina, four a.m. Wow. Yeah, Ricky's like I'm forty-two, and if I got thirty thousand dollars, I'd be ecstatic. Exactly. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you can go to youchoosepodcast.com, check out all the past episodes if you want to. And we'll do this again here in two weeks. And we'll we'll have some different books. But um until then, you choose the adventure and check out Proof Rock and Schmidt. Mm-hmm.
two cops who just can't catch a break. One can see ghosts. The other lives with his mom. Proofrock and Schmidt. Tune in and join them on their far-out adventures. Join Proofrock and Schmidt as they topple crime bosses, defeat the cyborg Gypsy King, get Schmidt's mom to give him his own room. Come on, Mom. Schmitty, I need that for my sewing room. Proofrock and Schmidt. Real quick before we get into it, I was going to say to people, you'd never know, and people who've, you know, we've been podcasting for years. I think, I'm trying to do the math in my head, Lee. I think this is actually the 10th year Oh wow! I've been podcasting since 2013. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Decade, a decade of podcasts. Man, in your face. Congratulations. Thank you. I, you know, I just realized that actually too. <laughs> I was like, how long have I been doing? Oh, it's been 10 years. Let's see. What is the 10th anniversary? I have no idea. It's probably like Emerald That's or something a, like that. It's a fist. Or, it's a fist. You get a um, fist bump. There it is. And if anyone who's anyone who's been listening to any of the podcasts I've been doing over the years, you've heard me tell and retell this story. I'm not going to retell it now because that's not, we don't have time for that. But I will say my, my story of the ever elusive Castle Grayskull at Christmas. Yes. And for a guy who didn't get it at Christmas originally, I, I have done my darndest to make sure that I have Plenty of Castle Grayskull Christmas ornaments. This baby <laughs> hanging on my tree. Don't you think? Eddie's Eddie's tree is just all Castle Grayskull. There's nothing else. It's all Castle. The entire tree is just all Castle. That yeah. would be the best Christmas tree. That actually would be. <laughs> all the ornaments are just Castle Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And tiny actually. attack tracks. Oh, man. That you can just wind up and let go and get rid of any Christmas carolers that show up at your doorstep. Pray for the best. They came out with a Hot Wheels Matchbox car sized He-Man figure uh, vehicles. Nice. As well. And the Sky Sled is almost sized perfectly for the Castle Grayskull. If you look at the size oh, here. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like. That is awesome. You know what else I just found out? I've owned this thing for like three years. Look what it does, Lee. Just like the toy. Oh, it comes, it comes a little apart. Sled. Nice. And you had that for three years and didn't even know. Didn't even know. I just assumed it See? was one whole piece. Anyway. That's a gift that keeps is, on giving. Just keeps on giving. Just when you thought you had found enough coolness in your life. But we're about to give you some more. A trip. This is now our third. Is this our third year reading third year, this book? Third Christmas. Yeah. Third Christmas special. Time third flies. Third Christmas of reading Home and Time for Christmas. Which uh, we just found this out. Oh. Yeah. I always tell the story that. I had a heck of a time finding any Christmas Choose Your Own Adventures. This is the only one that I know of. It's the only one. I own a hard copy of this one. I had redone my li my library, and so uh, I think it's actually in another place. But I own a hard copy of this story. Yes. And uh, it is basically a Christmas special Choose Your Own Adventure book. We'll tease it. You know, most Choose Your Own Adventure books have aliens. We'll, we'll see if there's any aliens in this one. You know, we'll have to see when we get there. 